Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EPCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. And like we do each Monday now, we're going to begin our show with UL baseball coach Matt Deggs. Hello, sir. All right, little uh, issue here. Hello, Coach Deggs, are you there, sir? I'm there, man. Uh, uh, all righty. User error. Yes, yes. We uh, Raymond is in Dallas, and so normally the right mic is right in front of me, but uh, this day we had the wrong mic in front of me. All right, so uh, it's amazing how going into a series, you you know, you plan and hope to win a series, but when you lose the first two uh, boy, that, that third one, not avoiding that sweep feels much better than you thought one and two would have sounded like. Yeah, it, it, it does. I'm proud of the boys for fighting back and, and responding after a tough weekend. Uh, but that's just not where the bar is. That's not the standard. And, you know, we had to make the most of it, but we put ourselves in that position. They didn't put us in that position. Everything that happened to us was self-inflicted and, and that's where we've got to get better. One of the things that y'all did a lot more yesterday than in the first two games was really shift. And obviously there's been a lot of talk in major league baseball during the off season in the early going, how the shifts were kind of been outlawed there. Uh, and yet I thought they were very effective for you yesterday. They were, and, and they've been effective all year for us. I mean, one one benefit that we're getting is is we're using the wristband system that, that digitally tells every position player what pitch is coming. And, uh, you know, just watching them throughout the course of the weekend, we had we had, pulled, we had played a lot of their guys, big pull, and, and, you know, had shifted them over some. But as the weekend wore on, uh, you know, we were in a full-blown shift most of the time. Now, what they tried to do was beat the shift, and it hurt them for about six or seven innings uh, because that's just that's not what they were trying to do. That's not who they are. And you could tell by the foul balls and the swings that they were trying to hit behind it, and that's part of the reason for doing it. It took them out of their game a little bit. And, you know, but overall, I was pretty impressed with with App State. I mean, it's hard to know when you look at statistics what, you know, what it really means. Uh, you know, and their pitching their pitching statistics coming in were great. And I'm not saying they have the deepest pitching staff, but the guys who threw competed well. I mean, their lineup is really pretty good and and they for the most part they played good. I, I was pretty impressed with them over the weekend. Now, they played great. They they uh they did what they had to do and that was they overachieved in some spots and then uh, their older kids uh, played extremely well. They have several seniors in that lineup, and you're exactly right. They have a really good lineup. Uh, they pitched.
much better than their numbers suggest coming in. And, you know, we, we didn't help ourselves any just by chasing out of the strike zone and uh, having some weak early outs, throwing the ball in the air a bunch. Uh, so it was kind of the, the perfect uh, ingredients coming together for a tough weekend for us. All right, so one of the things that I enjoy about a long baseball season is, you, you know, even win or lose, there's always individual storylines and, and the big puzzle pieces can be put in different spots. Uh, Blake McGee pitched yesterday. I had a couple of very effective outings. Uh, you know, over the weekend, we saw Cooper Rawl started yesterday and pitched very well. We saw Ben Tate pitch very well. So the whole pitching staff is still kind of, I don't know that, you know, the whole story hasn't been told yet. No, not even close. I mean, we don't we don't have Toit right now either, and we're going to get him back in a week or two and, and uh, probably a couple of weeks. Uh, the emergence of Tate, like you say, Coop is quietly having probably one of the best seasons in the country, uh, just statistically. And, uh, you know, like you said, getting an arm like McGee back is going to, that's going to be gigantic uh, heading into the second half of the season. You know, you know, Jackson got off to the rough start and, and he settled down and gave you some innings. Jake Hammond at times gets hit pretty hard. I mean, um, it seemed like Jackson's pretty safe. Uh, is Jake going to c- uh, continue to be the Friday night guy for the foreseeable future, or is all of that up in the air? No, I think we'll stick with him uh, heading into this short week for sure. He, uh, you know, he, he he had a tough week last week. There was, you know, he had to go back home, and they had a they lost a family member, oh. and uh, it was just a tough week uh, for him mentally and. Uh, emotionally and physically, and he's obviously better than he's thrown his last two outings, and and I think we're definitely going to stand by him and, uh, you know, stick with him for this week and kind of take it for there. All right. Again, we're speaking with UL head baseball coach Matt Deggs. I know you like to play every day, um, and yet last week you didn't have a midweek game. You do tomorrow against Tulane. Looking back on it, did, did, is it was, were there any negatives from the not having a midweek game that you saw you thought kind of flared or showed itself during the weekend? You know, I don't know, Kev. I, yeah, I wish we were playing, but we needed some rest. There obviously is some guys banged up and uh, – you know, had we swept the series, uh, it would have been, you know, how great the rest was. Uh, I, I just think we got to play better, uh, especially on Friday nights, and, and we will. We'll, we'll get back to that point. And, uh, you know, I'm proud, like I said, of what we did yesterday. It kept us on track for one of our first goals is to get 40 wins, you know, inside 56-game regular season. And that kept us right there on pace. Now we got to have a good week this week. Uh, and then it kept us right up near the top of the standings in the league. The you know some other things that happened over the weekend. Peyton Lejeune had a three hit game, and and he didn't do a whole lot early. Had it was battling a little bit of an injury early, uh, you know. But if you're like Max played second yesterday, so there's still some flexibility there. 
what could Peyton getting more consistent offensively do for you? Well, hopefully he can fill some of the void of not having Debo for the next week or so. And, you know, that's you, you just can never underestimate the power of a, uh, of a really, really good player and leader uh, and, and when you're missing that. And yesterday I felt like we got some of that grit and toughness back in the lineup that we needed, and I was real proud of Pete. When, when Ben Robichaux started getting at bats, he was hitting in the leadoff. Over the weekend, he hit in the two-hole. Just talk about the differences, kind of compare and contrast him in those two spots. Well, you know, Max is comfortable up there. I'm trying to get Max going, and, and I felt like he had a better weekend offensively for sure. Uh, and it's kind of a roll of the dice. If Max can reach, I feel relatively certain Roby's either going to reach or do something to – to move him, uh, and if Max doesn't reach, uh, uh, there's a dang near 60% chance that Roby's getting on base for Hoodie and Rock. Uh, absolutely. Uh, he, he's done a fabulous job of being an, on, an on-base guy. You know, the old cliche is you can't steal uh, first base, and early in this series, y'all were having trouble getting on base, and so you weren't able to get the running game. You did steal one run yesterday with that, but the running game wasn't able because of all that to kind of impact the series like you typically would like it to be. Yeah, you've got to have base runners, you know, and and uh, they were they were tough to come by this weekend. And when we did have base runners, I got to credit those guys. They they. They were all quick to the plate. They were about one 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 five. Sometimes one flat to the plate. Their catcher was throwing two flats down to second. Uh, they did as good a job as anybody at, at holding and stopping our running game. Do you think, in general, that most fans and media members overrate the sto- when teams still bases that overrate the blame on the catcher and that the pitchers have as big or a bigger role in that or how, how would you evaluate that I would say the pitchers have about a 75 uh percent role in that I I definitely would uh you know either by a tip when they're going to go to the plate by being slow to the plate uh by not paying any attention to the runner. The thing about us is everybody's pretty quick to the plate, and then the catcher does play a pretty good role in that. And out of the almost 90 bases we've stolen, you know, I bet, I don't know, 60% have been on the pitcher, but there's been catchers just missed their mark on us a bunch. All right, so... It looks like Old Dominion, although they got waxed yesterday, that's just one game in, in a season. It looks like they've shown some signs of maybe being really, really good. And then uh, Coastal has shown some signs of maybe being really, really good long term. But other than that, it seems like there's a lot of like, you know teams that we consider not like a lot of people were saying, well, South Alabama's not any good, but they sure look pretty good over the weekend. And Arkansas State, oh, they're not really good. Well, they competed very well in San Marcos. So it seems like maybe not as top-heavy, but but almost deeper this year from early on. Well, it's a good league, you know. Just watch the SEC or ACC or Big 12 every weekend. You don't know. It's a flip of the coin. And that's why you got to show up every every single night ready to play. 
And because it's look, it's not a very far fall from the top to the bottom. And that's what that's the way good leagues should be. Well, it certainly looks like uh it's that way. This week is it a little more complicated with the uh you know, you're playing a lot of in the SEC they're pretty used to this Thursday, Saturday thing. This week is it's a little different, a midweek and then you play on Thursdays. Is that complicated or anything or you just play? No, we're just gonna I'm excited about this week. Uh today they're off. They'll they'll get a good lift in the day and then get to play two lane tomorrow night. And uh, hope we have a great crowd out there. Our, our crowds have been awesome. Uh, and then we'll jump a plane Wednesday morning, head out to West Virginia. Uh, I don't know that we'll even get to practice because uh, they actually have a game on Wednesday night. Wow. Uh, so, and then we crank that series up on Thursday. And, you know, the tremendous thing, and I'm so proud that, that – Coach fought for this, and, and Coach Robe and Bab and all the guys that, that fought for us to be at home with our families on Easter. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about this week. All righty, sir. We appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Kev. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Or I guess you could argue, welcome in to footnotes on this Monday with simulcast on stadium 32.3 133 on LUS fiber. The game hotline is 337-706-0111-337-706-0111. Lots to get to like we have each and every Monday for the most part, other than maybe during the summertime, but we're, uh, still got a lots going on between now and the summertime. Obviously, we're wrapping up the college basketball season. LSU women got a win uh, yesterday to win the national championship. The first men or women in the history of LSU. So congratulations to them. Uh, the men played at night. UConn against San Diego State. The game that took place yesterday... It's kind of what I f- expected, not that high scoring, but kind of what I expected between South Carolina and Iowa, but that did not happen. I, I, I don't, uh, I saw a little bit of the end of that game. I, I don't, I don't really know. So for those of you who watched it, uh, maybe you can help me out. I don't really know what happened there. That That was the game. In terms of the deficit, now again, it was more high scoring than I thought it would be. Um, my thought is usually if a more defensive team plays an offensive team, the defensive team normally, not always, uh, normally kind of dictates a tempo. Well, 
you know, LSU, you know, I heard all of it. Oh, LSU's offense or not with that game against my, oh, that was hard to watch and blah, blah, blah. Well, when you play a team that doesn't play any defense, then it looks a lot easier, doesn't it? Looks that the, Suddenly the team looks a lot better offensively when they play someone who doesn't play defense. So, but, but, but again, uh, they, they kind of, you know, beat them more at their game. Now, I didn't see the game. I was covering the the Cajuns yesterday uh, in baseball and then, you know, following the softball and writing those stories up. The game was pretty much over by the time I was done with all that. But it was um, – th- there there's been a lot of talk about the officiating. I did see all the number of fouls and the foul shots. And, you know, I did see a highlight of the silly technical foul they call silliness. Um you know, I have, you know, the 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 promo that we play where I don't remember when that was. I said I had to give up basketball. But obviously we, we talk a lot about basketball on the show, not as much as others. But when I say I had to give up basketball, that is as a diehard fan. I, I, I had to – I just, you know, officiating in basketball, I just, I determined a long time ago it is impossible to officiate the game of basketball. It's just impossible. Like, some are better at it than others. They, I mean, that's just in every walk of life. But it is impossible to properly, accurately officiate a basketball game. And so I just, I, I mo- the my personality as a as a diehard fan, I just I just could I just had to give it up. I just did. Uh, doesn't mean I never watch it. It doesn't mean that we can't talk about it. We talk we can talk about it as much as we need to or want to. But I I, I just can't put my heart out on the line like I do in baseball and football. It's hard enough for me to do it with NFL officiating, um, much less NBA. So. A lot of fans were very upset with the officiating, but, you know, it is what it is. When, when it's over, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. It's just over. Now, in terms of tonight's game, how might, how might the officiating impact one team or the other? Do you think like if you're San Diego State, what do you need the officials to do to give you the best chance of winning? Probably let things play out a little bit, um, not be as quick to the whistle because I think if they – Sonogo is, is going to be the dominant inside player. The two forwards for San Diego State don't do a ton offensively, or at least they have it in this tournament. So I think if you're allowed to defend physically on Sonogo inside and kind of bang him around a little bit without – a ton of foul calls being called early on, that might help San Diego State because I think they don't do it as much offensively. They're really guard-oriented on offense, so you know they might not get as much of help. Now, some of their guards really drive to the basket, so I guess you could get helped in that aspect, but I think they're going to hope that they're allowed to be physical with Sonogo without everything being called. Don't Do you feel like they should let players play at this level or should be called the same way as it would – game 28 in the regular season I think they should let them play but I think they should always let them play and I, I talked a little bit about that and on RP3 today um, I think fouls I just wish touch fouls weren't called 
I understand there's games where it's things are very chippy and you're in you know, we always talk about officials in danger of kind of losing the game where you're you're kind of feeling like, man, these teams are really going at it. There might be a big fight that breaks out here at some point. So in those games, yeah, you have to call stuff a little bit tighter. But like if that's not the case and the you know, you guys are playing, I just don't like any kind of touch fouls being called. I would much rather them let them play. So yeah, I would. I think in this, in the big games, even more so. But I think they should let them play throughout the season as well. They just there's some officiating, and we see it with the Sun Belt, and we talked about it. Like, I wonder if they're going to call a couple fouls on Jordan Brown early tonight, or if they're just going to let it go. And right. I hate that it depends on the officiating crew. Like you're saying, with the, I just wish officials in general were more consistent. And I know it's hard because it's it is like if you get touched on the elbow, it's a foul. But it's like, well, okay, in this situation though. Let's let it go. Let's let them play, but let's let them play on both sides. And, and what makes it even worse? You know, it's one thing in the other sports. They can make a call that hurts you, but they're not saying you can't play anymore. Like in basketball, the officials determine the players that are on the court. Right. And well, that's, I think you're on something there. And I saw some discussion about that. I think the college rules maybe need to be relooked at um, because, and like, I, I do like that there's an aspect that you have to be mindful of your foul numbers. Like, I do think that's a good thing. But five fouls in a college basketball game, like, when you talk about the women's game and the star power, um, and I know we shouldn't decide how a game is played. Well, we already do decided how it's played based on the stars and like you know how it looks but I just think you finally had this great stage with some of the best women's players in the country on display and Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese and Alexis Morris are all sitting on the bench for half the game because they got a couple of touch fouls called on them in the first half and, and again, it's like in touch foul right like again I, I that's why I think I just I just can't I just can't. there's a couple ideas I have for the college game number one go to six fouls I think is the simplest one that's what the NBA does you don't see a ton of foul trouble but you're playing eight fewer minutes yeah that's true so my other logic would be since there's so many charges called in college basketball maybe offensive fouls not counting towards your personal foul count um, just because they do that with you know offensive fouls not leading to free throws on the other end so they already kind of have special rules for them so I think maybe the charges uh, still count as a team foul, still count as you know giving the ball away in a turnover, but maybe not counting to the personal Especially fouls. in the women's game. Now, again, I, I, I follow, I cover the Cajuns, so I watch in the Sun Belt and with the Cajuns, it's unbelievable how many charges there are in every game. I mean, really it is. Now, the Cajuns are unique in that they coach charges. But to me, at least – is it that way, like normal on the you know Power Five and the women too? I don't watch enough women's basketball to know, but it's to me there's an inordinate and more charge calls in the women's game than the men game. Yeah, and in the college game in general, it just feels like that's which I'm fine with. I like that they let guys play defense and girls, and they and they allow positioning to matter. But yeah, no, and I think maybe if you don't count that towards disqualification. I just think you want, and it, it happened in the men's tournament with Drew Timmy, the same thing. Like, you know, is is the way a game's officiated now putting a guy on the bench for 15, 20 minutes out of a 40-minute game? I just don't think that's what we want. Now, again, I think there has to be some sort of rule because you don't just want people to be taking advantage of hacking people all game and, you know, the poor free throw shooting, and, and then you become a free throw shooting contest, but... I think they should probably look at it, and I think they might. I think they really might take a look at it, especially now you that you think had... seriously? I think they might. I mean, what would be the major argument against allowing your players to play more? You know, like what would be the logic against it? I don't know. 
Well, is there a way of like, I don't know. I mean, we're getting way out of the box here, okay? But is there a way to say two touch fouls equal one major foul? I don't think there's a way to do that. You just get too subjective there. I mean, it's just... uh, And what I really... I mean, like, nothing drives me more bonkers watching a basketball than the the touch and one foul. Like, they let them bang around and push and shove, and then you barely touch a guy... And it's and one, and uh, I hate the touch and one call. Well, yeah, and they're so especially when the team's on a run. They're so much quicker to call the the quick fouls. Also in transition, I think I hate the anticipation. You hate the and one touch foul. I hate the anticipation foul. Well, when a guy is beat, same thing a lot of the right. A guy's a guy's beat in transition. So when the guy goes up for the layup, if you choose to contest it, oh, which is what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to try to not let them score the basket. Right. If you choose to contest it, they just give an anticipation whistle, whistle, and then if they blow the layup while well, they're getting free throws, and if they make it, now they get an easy and one, because you called the foul before the play even happened. I, that's the one I really drives me crazy. I agree. I, 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 you, really, you really think there's any way, though, in the college game they're going to change the rules? I guess that? I'm just young and naive. But do you, I, I don't think that's going to happen. We'll see. Well, the other thing, too, like, uh, I mean, we've seen the women's game be quicker to change rules, though, with yes. the four quarters thing, which I personally like two halves. I know it's weird and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I just like it because that's how it is. But I got to tell you, I, I kind of like the quarters. I didn't think it's, I would. It certainly when they makes, first... it makes the media timeouts more natural. Yes. It does help with I that. I think I like but... the, I think I prefer the quarters. I, I wouldn't have any issue. If the men went to quarters, I, I would be okay with it, I think. Yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem with it. I just I don't know why. I've, I guess it's just it's just because it's how it's been, and I would I'm sure I would get used to it. But I just kind of have liked it for a while in the men's game. All right, let's do this. We'll take a timeout. Continue to kind of unpack bags on a Monday. We'll be back. This is footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. A game hotline is 706 337 706 0111, the rest of the show, open phone line. So if you want to discuss the women's national championship game slash final four or the preview of the men's game tonight between UConn and San Diego State, certainly feel free. And by the way, I guess it's about a definition of terms, but I've heard y'all discuss this whole Blue Bloods thing like, Connecticut basketball in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and really well into the 80s, like UConn was not as good as like St. John's and Villanova and Georgetown. I mean, UConn didn't become a real big thing until the 90s, so there's no way they can be a blue blood unless my definition of blue bloods is totally different than other people. That was my argument. Yeah, Uh, cannot be. RP3 had, he was talking, he said since they've been the most dominant team of the last two decades, which 
I don't even know if I agree with that. But that was he. He said he thinks UConn is. I said they weren't. But even I, don't I think mean, it's I, possible. The argument though, like Duke is the one that's interesting because they weren't dominant until what the late eighties, late eighties, yeah. early nineties. But they've been unbelievably dominant yeah. since then. So that's what. And then the, some people want to put. I've seen Gonzaga mention like they don't no. have a single title. You can't that's, put them in there, and they're still that's silly again. So, yeah, my definition of blue bloods is history. My so well, my one generational the, history. I say there's five. I say it's Kansas, UCLA, Duke, North Carolina, and I missed one. But UCLA. Yeah. Well, I thought I thought I said them, but either way, yeah. So the and I also they're all blue, which just helps my you know my brain like make sense of it yes. being called the blue bloods. But I mean, I can understand Michigan State gets mentioned. Villanova's right there. I think Villanova. Maybe that's the one I missed. They're, and I they're like right Villanova. There, I mean, but, Villanova was my favorite. The old Big East, Villanova was my favorite school. I, 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 you know, I still think the greatest basketball game ever played was the, was the '85 championship game. The one I missed is Kentucky, and they're another one though that's kind of fringe though because they they. Oh, I hate Kentucky. Well, that, Kentucky is yeah. ab- no Kentucky <laughs> is an absolute blue blood. I mean, like yeah, absolute. Like they're more of a blue blood than most of the one. I mean, the real blue bloods to me are UCLA. Kentucky and North Carolina. Okay. And you can throw those are the blue bloods. And, and then you can throw like Kansas in there cuz it was Yeah, there was they had some success way long ago, but but really they had a pretty big drought there and there. But to me the real blue bloods are UCLA, Kentucky and North Carolina. And I only really rooted for one of them. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. All right, I'm glad you said that. So, so it was the blue blood thing. Explain that to me about how North Carolina and these teams became a blue blood. How long has North Carolina been a blue blood? By the way, tell me right now. Like forever, forever, like, forever. Okay, yeah. okay. Thank you, Paul. Are you listening to that? Okay, so forever you saying they've been a blue blood, right? Forever. But Paul keeps sitting up there and talking about how dominant they are over Duke and they this and that and Duke not nothing. And I'm like, dude, y'all been better than Duke 20, 30 years before Duke arrived in 1990, cat. We arrived in 90. Y'all been great before us, 20 years before us, and y'all got one more title. So so how dominant and great have you been? Or they bragging on how many titles they got. Like they got 25 and we got five. Y'all got one more, but y'all been better than us for 20 more years. So tell me. I used to try to explain to me because I'm a dumb fisherman, so I need to know how did that equate for you being so much better than somebody else. Can you tell that to me, Kevin Foot, please? I want to well, know because you because you played basketball in those years, you just weren't as good as them. It wasn't like exactly. your program so, started. Exactly. So like, tell you, me well, what makes you better when you've been better than us twenty more twenty years faster. You got a twenty year head start. You're you better. You're better historically. Look, your program, you played basketball in those 20 or 30 year head start. It's more like 30 year, probably, but you played basketball you. in those eras. You had a program, you just weren't good. Exactly. So, so you can't dismiss it. me one more time what makes you so much better, and you had a 20 year head start with one more title. Well, explain to me. Can you explain to me that? 
I mean, you again, me? it, you're talking about, look, there, there you go. are no there you rational. Go. I got you in the corner. Okay, no, 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 listen. Me. I'm you there one more time. No, what makes a team better when they had a 20-year head start? There are, no, there are no rational discussions when you talk about great rivalries. Like, there are no rational discussions. Now, is it true, and I think what you're kind of intimating or, or maybe going down the road, it is true that North Carolina – their national titles don't match up with how consistently good they've been my whole life and even a little bit before I was born. They should have more national titles. There's no doubt about that. They should. But when uh-huh. I, but okay, I'm more on. of a I'm more of the Lakers are better than the Celtics because they're there all the time. Like the yeah, Lakers should have more titles too. Most of the Celtics titles been back in the day. Yeah, but but you I'm know, saying so, the Lakers yeah, should a have a different. few more titles too for as many times as they've been there. But I think I'm more about the consistency of being there all the time. It's more impressive to me than winning more titles, but a lot less fewer appearances. Uh huh. Yeah, I need, I'm trying to get a real good explanation. No, I'm giving it to you. Like 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 like. To, and I know I'm 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 you I'm not in the majority here. I'd rather my team be four, four and four in the Super Bowl than four and zero oh in the Super Bowl. Okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense. At least yeah. you're getting there. Yeah. yeah, so it makes sense. Yeah. That that's the that, that's the North Carolina. See, see, but you see, you're you're but 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 but, but you're you on know? the opposite sides. North Carolina is the Lakers. Those two are the no, same. See, you're on the Duke side and the Lakers side. I'm on I'm on the North Carolina and the Lakers side. North Carolina is the Lakers. No, no they're not. Yeah, they are. Say, says who? North, say says who? me. North Carolina is the Lakers of college basketball. No, no they're not, Kelvin. You <laughs> see, Kelvin, what you do, you try to be slick because you didn't tell me already <laughs> that you don't, you don't support for Capos and all this other stuff. But you sit up there and say you're a North Carolina fan. You pull from back in the no, day. No, no, no. So I guess back in the day. No, no, hold up. Back in the day, they wasn't a Gestapo. I guess you're telling me. But they've been good for 50 years. But they wasn't a Gestapo. You see. But you don't pull for Gestapo. So like I told you, Kevin, that slick stuff. I'm paying attention carefully okay. to that. Now, now, I, un- I, 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 I get your point. But listen, like how I can you be Gestapo? How can you be Gestapo if your colors are a beautiful sky blue? Man, you don't want to call them. So, so you think? You so, so, so you think a you German it. army would have sky blue uniforms? That no way! Because you got a blue uniform, Kevin. Oh no, it has a lot to do with it. Has a lot to do with it. Xavier got blue uniform. Are they a Gestapo? Xavier, no, can't be a Gestapo. Michigan, Alabama, those are the Gestapos. Alabama. Alabama, Alabama in football, I'm talking about. Uh, Kentucky oh, football, in basketball, yeah. Gestapo. Look, look, another thing, too, like, which I was talking about the calls and stuff a while ago. I told you already, you got to get rid of that jump ball stuff. But another thing would make me, would drive me crazy, too, is what you, uh, the, uh, the, a guy brought up, when they get a foul, okay, if I foul you right now, you call, you blow the whistle right now. But what the dumb referees do now is, is and, and they're bad with that now. Go up for the shot, you get fouled, but you wait to see what happens after the shot. All of a sudden, oh, foul. I'm right, dude, you got to stop that. Go to the whistle when he foul him. Don't wait to see if he missed the shot first, and then you go to the whistle to see if he's going to miss the shot or make it. 
I mean, that that's a bunch of junk, and I really hate that. Like, a, that's one thing they got to get rid of that old late call stuff because they do it in the NBA a lot and in college. But they got to get rid of that and that doggone dumb jump ball, Kevin. I don't care what you say. That possession arrow stuff got to go. They got to go with that. They got okay. to fix that and make it very manly. You jump like men. Don't give it to you because I put my hand on the ball around the ball while Kevin Foot guys. I come up to you and touch it. All of a sudden, Ryan and get the ball. I don't want the ball. I want to earn it. Okay. I don't want you to give it to me. I want to earn it. Okay. Simple as that. Okay. Bye. And just remember that North Carolina cannot be Gestapo. You can't be Gestapo and have sky blue uniforms. We'll be back. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The little MVPs. The little MVPs. Now, a Major League Baseball team that struggles to win games despite having multiple MVP winners on its roster. Also known as the Los Angeles Angels. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline is 337 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in, talk about NCAA championship tonight, yesterday's women's final between LSU and Iowa. Uh, we haven't even gotten to the start of the Major League Baseball. We had the first weekend and I mean, they're, they're, you know, what what do early impressions mean in a in a 162 game schedule? Usually nothing, but at some point today we'll give a few early impressions. And like I said, I really I really think by the end of the year, the 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 AL West is going to be the toughest division in baseball. Now, the caveat of that is I expect the A's to be really bad. But I kind of think everyone else is going to be really, really good to really, really, really good. I'm worried about the Rangers. I've been telling you all that the whole offseason. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Have no fear. The Yankees are here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I call for different reasons, but I'm going to make it short and simple. You know, congrats, salute to my Yankees. I wanted to call about them, but I can't because I got to address the situation. I want to salute the LSU girls. They represented the state right, and they did great bringing that championship home. Foot, I heard you earlier. You said something about the referee. Foot, it don't matter what sport it is. You have a problem with the refs. It don't matter. And then you said about... Well, you know, can't do nothing after the game is over. You know, hey, can't go back and change it. Well, foot. You know, um, even after a game, weeks and years, many years, forty years, eighty years later, you still don't let it go after a referee bad call. Just no. want you to know that foot. That's true. Now, because it should be fixable. I agree, foot. Yeah. I agree, but you was trying to say, hey, just let y'all know you can't change the past. Just let it go. You don't, foot. You don't. I just want you to know that, foot. Nah, that guy that called. You see, to be a great fisherman, foot, you have to be delusional. 
So I'll never be a good, I'll never be a great fisherman. The man's a great fisherman. I'm just telling you. Because he's a loser. I wish I could have one day to be to have to be the fisherman that that he, that Rockefeller is. Hey, one but, day. Look, man, hey, look, I say the same thing, and I fish. Uh, he get, he been getting on me since it's been a while since I've been fishing. The man can fish. I give it to him, but he's just delusional. But I want to add on to what you said to answer his question, because he's still texting me right now about that. What makes us better than them, not only the rings, I mean, we, even though we got one more ring than them, that's still saying we better than you. It's because we own them. We beat them more times than they ever beat us. Not my fault they late bloomers. They, I'll put it this way, we are the true blue. We're the true blue. We are the Lakers of college. Yes. You are right. Yes. He do not want to accept it because he's a Laker fan and a Duke fan, so it puts him in a tough situation to how to choose and say you're right. They're but we're right. We're, we're right, though. Ever. We, we know we're right. Yeah, yeah, but it's him. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's I gotta okay. I got to deal with this guy for it. It's okay. So he... He can get mad all he wants. It's all about the Tar Heels. I'm out. All right. Remember though, you like, like I, when you have like when you're discussing rivalries like Duke North Carolina or like Yankees Red Sox, it's just there's there's nothing rational about those discussions. So there's no use to take any of them very seriously. Like you can be passionate about it, but understand that. Both sides kind of lean towards being irrational in those kinds of discussions. It's just, it's very hard to be objective. Now, I can be a little more objective because I'm not, I'm not heavily involved in the current rivalry. So while I have a slant, I would certainly say I'm, I'm a Tar Heel more than I'm a Blue Devil. I'm not, like, really passionate about it. It's been a while since I've been really passionate about it, like almost 30 years probably. So um, so I can be a little more, a little more objective in, in that. You know, I'm, I'm a little bit upset with us because we're, we're acting like the national media. We got a Final Four with San Diego State and FAU and all those teams, and we're spending – this day talking about Duke. Well, and Ronnie, <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Brought I know. it up. We it, it's <laughs> it sparked from the blue blood Connecticut discussion. Of course, yes, yes, yes. I mean, look, I hope San Diego State wins tonight, and I have nothing against Connecticut. I really don't like Connecticut. Seem, they're more of an old school basketball team to me. Yeah, the way Connecticut plays, I like the way they play basketball. Um, but I kind of have an upset mentality, and you know, there's probably some people listening like. You're rooting for some, you know, some old school basketball fan who's probably say you're rooting for some beach school to be, you know, to win a basketball. What's wrong with you? And I, I, I get that, but I don't know. I'm just, I t- if it's not my team, then I tend to pull for the underdog. I've just always been that. So. Yeah, yeah, and I do that, and then I have weird exceptions where, in certain situations, if it, if I don't view them as enough of an underdog, then I'll take the dynasty continuing to win instead of someone new winning one. Yeah, I heard twice. you say that. I don't understand that. It's okay. I, 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 that we'll that's completely plenty, that'll illogical. That'll be a summer discussion. That's I'll, completely illogical. No, it's okay if it's a team that's going to just jump up and win one title here, but they're always really good. I'd rather just have the dynasty keep winning. I don't want that team. I just want to have less of the success to share around. Unless it's me, I never pull for the dynasty. I'm just unless I don't it's know. me. I, I just I team. also respect greatness. That's kind of how I've always said. I just like to watch greatness 
I like to watch things that are historically relevant play out in front of me. So the, the reason why, I do, if everyone took it for what it is, yes. But right, well, they won't. everyone builds them up bigger than they are, so I have to go the other direction. Look, I, I, I'm going to have like a long planned out narrative, and over the summer when things are slowed down with everything else, yeah. we can really kind of talk about the dynasties. I'll be ready. Yeah. Okay. In fact, I have um, did a lot of research because we did dynasties for one. Was it two summers ago, maybe, or on our footnote summer project? I think it was dynasty. So I have a lot of scribble, scratch, pen to paper stuff to, to discuss a lot of that. All right, one hour down, another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foot. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. We are broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline 337-706-0111. We've talked some rivalries. We've talked about... Men and women's mostly basketball, and we'll get to a little baseball. Maybe uh, we did interview Coach Deg, so we talked some college baseball for sure. Uh, the Cajuns only won one out of three. The LSU, I know it, they didn't play yesterday, so it seems like it's a little bit older, but they won two out of three for the third straight weekend. It was. Um, so there's nothing wrong with winning two out of three against good teams. I would think that most people thought they'd have a sweep by now. Starting pitcher, I don't even know if he got out of the first inning on you know on Saturday. So it, you know, they. I guess there's some pitching depth questions that we can uh, explore as we get on a um, little bit later in the weekend. Um, I mean, a little later in the week having to do with LSU. And uh, I don't know that we're going to talk much of any football today, but certainly um, we'll have some some baseball comments before the end of the hour. I, I intend to anyway. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. No, we're not talking no football today, Kevin. Today is mostly like a sunshine day and everything. We're joking. This is Easter week right now. Good Friday is Friday coming up, so we ain't got really got time for football too much. Right now, we're in the Ooh. joking mood. Okay. Kevin, let me tell you one thing, Kevin. You see that, Paul? You see, one thing with Paul do, like I told him the other day, what he do is, since you don't have nothing to, if you know it is, you don't have anything to lean on as a sports fan but North Carolina. The Knicks, the his thinking, Knicks are playing the well. Most Knicks, the most thinking Knicks been letting them down so long and everything, and he had nerve to even say one day, the Knicks better than the Lakers, like as a franchise. Do you hear me? He talking about the Knicks better because everybody want to play in New York, the Mecca, Madison Square Garden. I told him, Cat, the only thing was good about Madison Square Garden is the players, the stars want to go there and set records on y'all and stuff on y'all. That's all they ever did do. Ain't nobody want to go play there and all that. They want to go play over there and stuff on you. That's what the stars do. So like I told him, the Knicks is not even relevant in the NBA anymore. Their best player ever is Phil Jackson. The last time they won anything 
That's when they had high shorts, Bill Jackson. You know how long ago that was, Kevin? None of us weren't even living. No, oh, I was living. We don't even know that. But, yeah, yeah. but do you know if that's true? Did you see that and all that? That's what the media is saying at that time. You know how New York media is. So they could have just said that to make the fans think they won a championship. But we don't know if they actually won a championship. <laughs> Did you see any of that? Like I told them, the last time they won a championship, doorbells weren't even relevant then. <laughs> Nobody wasn't even using right. doorbells and stuff All then. Right. Haircuts weren't relevant. People weren't even using hair clippers. You're still using the um, the scissors, old school way. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, I mean, come on. So, like I told you, when you're a fan, when you ain't got much to lean on, you're going to bring up your little team, North Carolina, all the time because the only one that kind of win, and they've been choking. But as the NBA, you try to compare his Knicks, which I call the bricks now, you try to compare the bricks hey, to the Knicks Lakers. Hey, Knicks having a good him. season. Knicks having a good season. It never could be anything. They're always going to let you down at the last minute and stuff. You know why? That one play is still haunting them forever, and that defines who the Knicks are. The Patrick Ewing missed their up. That's who they are. That they find everything right there. So they need to know. So like I told them, we can shut down. My Lakers can shut down for maybe 10, 15, 20 years and completely get out of the NBA. The Knicks still in there. They still won't catch us. By the time we come back and start playing 20 years later, they might still have them same two rings what they got in 1920. Okay. They might still have them same two, you know. So like I said, the New York Bricks would never be the Lakers. Okay. So that's all you got to lean on okay. is North Carolina. Uh, I that's get all it. You I got. get it. All so right. Paul, all right. You listening to me? All North right. Carolina has all you got. The freaks are nothing. All right. Ah. Thanks. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Hello. Man, I have people ask me all the time, where has Jules been? Uh, I've been here. Okay. I haven't gone anywhere. Okay. I'm just I'm not usually up in time to get on your show. I understand. Well, tone, tone, MLB can't get anything right. In basketball, we see the shot clock. In football, we see the play clock. In baseball, we don't see the pitch clock. They purposely, according to what I heard one of the announcers say on one of the many games I watched, they purposely put the pitch clocks out of view of the center field camera that the home viewer gets to see because they didn't want the viewer concentrating or focusing on the pitch clock. How stupid is that? Now, you do have a couple of television outlets that put the clock up. The Padres home uh, they do it. They have it up all times on their little scoreboard on the uh, TV. There are a couple of teams where when it gets to eight, they pull it up like, uh, you know, the, the red the red line in football when it gets to five seconds. But that's so stupid. I find myself worried more about it because I can't see it. Well, the Astro the game uh, the Astro games I've seen they they have it on there they have it on the little scoreboard I I, I just try not to think about it really I I mean there's go, it's gonna come up here and there but I, I just it really doesn't would, matter to me but I'm glad that they have it for those who it. care yeah but I no. can't see it so I'm worried okay how many times are they blowing it because the umps let's face it the home plate umpires I don't care what the umpires union says. 
They get 75% of the ball strike calls correct. I watched baseball since Thursday, saw 20 games. They, the home plate umpires, 75%, that's what they get, not the 95 that No, they I agree, court. I agree, I agree. Okay, now let's get back to my bread and butter, college basketball. There are two Blue Bloods, really, Kentucky and Kansas. Those are the original two Blue Bloods. Mm. Carolina and Duke came about once the ACC was formed uh, in the 50s. Uh, The team split away from the Southern Conference because they also wanted to play major college football where teams like Davidson did not want to do that. Uh, and that's how the ACC came about. Dean Smith didn't win a title to what? Michael Jordan? That's 1982. Don't tell me that's a blue blood, okay? Yeah, but they were they were really good. They just didn't win enough titles. That's true. Well, well, no, okay. They were good, but so was Duke. Duke was good back in the days of Vic Bubis. They had players like Art Heyman, who played back in the uh, in the early '60s, uh, and then of course uh, UCLA came along with Wooden, uh, starting in the '60s when they won their uh, ten or eleven titles uh, in a row, or they missed one year when Carolina, North Carolina State won it with David Thompson, um, but. I don't know why you're poo-pooing Kansas. But Kansas takes you're decades off, about though. Will Chamberlain. Yeah, but Kansas. I love let. What was Kansas from the first 20 years of my life? Kansas was nothing in basketball. What do you mean nothing? They're in the NCAA tournament almost every year. Kansas was not that good the first 20 years of my life. When were you born? Same, same age as the Saints in the Super Bowl. 67? Well, 66, but yeah. Well, uh, when you say they they weren't there. uh, (laughs) They They weren't. They they were there, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, they had a team, but they weren't real good. uh, uh, Cats took two decades off. In 81, uh, Kansas was in the... uh, the uh, regional semifinal in the Superdome against Wichita State. Kansas has been there over the years. Dave Robish, um, uh, what was the guy's name, uh, JoJo White. They, they've always had good teams. I, you know, well, yeah, beautiful but, Kansas. You but, don't know but, what you're but talking North about. Carolina, that's North Carolina. Home, that's the home of college basketball. North Carolina in the 60s and 70s was better than Kansas was in the 70s up until about 86. Like I'm saying, the first 20 years of my life, they just weren't very good. All right, before I go, I, I, you got to say, I know, you, I know you're negative about your Red Sox, but how about the weekend? Who, what is Adam Duvall doing? I don't know. They don't have any pitching, and that's the bottom line. They don't have one pitcher in their entire organization who deserves to get a paycheck. So I don't care about them. I'm a Mariners fan. Unfortunately, we got our butts kicked by uh, Cleveland. We lost three out of four. I'm, I'm done. 
I hope they go well they're I hope they go two and one sixty now. Until they're gone, I don't care about the Boston Red Sox. They can <laughs> go to hell. Okay. Well, they're gonna have I think they're gonna they're they're gonna be better than everybody thinks. We'll see. Good hearing from you, Jules. <laughs> robo womp, robo womp, robo womp. Okay. The man is old school, but he wants robo up. Thanks for the call. No, look, I I get why people are um I I get why people want the robo up, but it's just still hard for me to swallow. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Footsie. Yes, sir. Footsie, did I understand Coach uh Dex to say he was like happy with where they were and and what the record was and and where they were in the conference. Well, he said they, but by winning, they kind of hung in there, you know, towards the top of the conference. Look, they've got a lot of tough series left. So, I mean, I don't know where they are in the big picture. They've got to get better, no question. Well, I mean, I'll tell you where they are. I mean, they're number 87 in the power rate. Their okay. strength of schedule is 131. Their record against quad one teams is one and three. Against quad two teams is three and three. Against quad three teams is one and zero, and against quad four teams is fourteen and three. I mean, I, I I don't know, but that doesn't sound like a resume to get a large bid. I understand that they're tied for third with App in the conference. I would assume App would be the would hold the tiebreaker since they won two out of three. So maybe the Cajuns are are fourth, but I mean. This is this is the schedule with the strength of schedules, okay? Tulane, 206. At Marshall, 95. Louisiana Tech, 164. At Southeastern, 106. Now, here's Troy, 43. That, that will help. At LSU, they're number four. That'll help. At James Madison, 167. Southern, 262. Northwestern State, 153. Coastal, 12. That'll help. At ULM, 205. At Louisiana Tech, 164. Texas State, 81. And at Southern Miss, 42. I mean, they're going to they gonna be I, – I, I just don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't – Well, look, you know, they got to they gotta get better. But the thing that frustrates me about that is, uh, you, you know, Tulane's not supposed to be this bad. Louisiana Tech was good last year, not a terrible. There's no way to know that that's going to happen. Like, okay, no, 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 you don't. You, you don't know. But, I mean, I'm just going to say this. I mean, when you schedule Southern, Grambling, and Jackson State, three games in the midweek, those are some bad teams. You know those teams are going to be bad, and they're going to have a very low power rating. I mean, I'm all, all I'm saying is uh, I, I, I'm just not – I just – I just think they they got some work. They got a lot no. Of work they got a lot do. of work to do. No, no question. They got a lot of work to do. I think where I think where Coach Deggs is coming from is I believe he thinks they're going to get better. Kind of like, you know, I mean, real small sample size, like the Astros. He feels like, you know, obviously DeBarge needs to come back, but he feels like when Toy comes back, and he feel, he feels like once they get their rotation set, which is not set yet, that they're going to be better down the stretch, and hopefully they are. But I, I think that's the frame of reference he's coming from. But again, all of that is yet to be proven. Well, 
I thought that boy John Taylor, I thought that boy did really well myself. Yeah, I liked him. He he seemed like a player to me. I, I mean, you know, I, I don't know, but, I mean, from what I've seen of him, he seemed like a player. I'll say this. I thought Marshawn made, made some really good plays at third base. Now, he doesn't hit very well, but, you know, I thought he made some really good plays at third base over the weekend. He made a great play. One now, yeah, I the, think he's shocked me how good defensively he's been. I agree with you. The backhanded play where yes. he backhanded and threw a, I mean, threw a pill yes. to first base. Is that the one you're talking about? Yes, yes, sir. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I was like I said, I, I thought he made, and I thought he made a couple other good plays. But all I'm saying is, is that I don't know how they're going to get their RPI. I mean, if, in my opinion, you need to be like in the 40 and like 40 or below. No, I, I, I think it's candidate. fair. No, I think your concerns are fair. Yes, I agree. Okay, Footsie. Well, Footsie, what about the hammock? How's the hammock working out? Ha- hammock's going pretty good. We're going to get to that later in the next segment. But, yeah, it's working out good so far. Okay, good. I just want to make sure. Yeah, no, it's good. Okay. We're, we're, we're good. We're good. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> this is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. It's been a feisty day so far on a Monday. A lot of feistiness. I like that. All right. Since uh, James brought it up and someone else referred to it, baseball, the opening weekend. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. Like, it's a it's obviously an extremely small sample size. It's the first weekend of the season. And we're not talking about like one out of 16 or we're now 17 with the NFL. We're talking about one of or three or four of 162. So we understand how small of a, of a sample size it is. But. Oh, uh, first impressions, some early impressions. One, the Rangers are good. I'm just, I, I'm just really worried about the Rangers. Now, will their pitching let them down in the end? I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Robbie Grossman's a baseball player, folks. I've been saying that for a long, long time. Cat's a baseball player. He's a great player. No, but if you put him on a good team, he will help you win games because he knows how to play baseball. Um. I I really I'm really worried about the Rangers. I I I, I think I'm, do I think they're going to win the division? No, I sure hope not. Um, I I'm really worried about them. I, I you know they the Nash the, the all, everyone wants the little MVPs to win so bad. You know I don't think they're going to be good, but if they have a winning record, I won't be shocked. But I think it's possible they could have a winning record and finish fourth in this division. So I'm worried about them. 
As far as the Astros, I, I'm just very fortunate and grateful to have two wins. I, I, the white, when, when we talked to Stevie P on Thursday, he said, watch out for the White Sox. They're a team that very few people are talking about. They were so Their season was so disappointing last year. But one of the things we talked about is Tony La Russa is not there anymore. Tony La Russa drugged that team down. That was an awful decision to hire Tony La Russa as their manager. And um, he drugged that team down bad last year. They were, they were incredibly impressive over the weekend. Like, it didn't take much of an imagination where the Astros could have been 0-4 right now. So I am very grateful to have two wins. Astros, depending on what lineup they're using, have way too many outs in their lineup right now. Bregman always is a slow starter. I'm pretty sure Bregman and I still have the same batting average. I think I think my batting average is zero, and I'm pretty sure Bregman's batting average is zero. And, and again, I'm not saying that in negative. He's all Bregman has always been a slow starter. So he so Bregman is being Bregman, and I'm hoping that you know if he can drive in 93 to 100 runs this year, I'm going to be thrilled. And I think he's back. I think he's back. But whether he's back or not long term, he's he's a slow starter. He just always is. Um, and then this whole Jake Myers thing has got to stop. McCormick's played the last two days and been on base repeatedly. He needs to play every day, other than when you give him a little bit of rest. This Jake Myers stuff's got to stop. Mauricio Dubon's a fun guy to have on your team because he's a bundle of energy, but he can't hit a lick. So when Dubon plays and um, Myers plays, and I mean, you got three to four outs in your lineup. It's hard to be consistent that way. So the Astros have to get healthy. But look, I and now they're playing the stupid Tigers who are 0 3. I hate playing winless teams, even early. Like the Tigers are not good, but I still have a memory of losing six out of nine to them a couple years ago when they were bad then, just as bad then as they are now. And they crushed my face. And uh, I don't like playing 0-3 teams, so I wish they'd have won a game, so we'll see what happens. We had a caller call in and ask a question. He wants to know, are the Rangers a blue blood? No. <laughs> no. Well, they got blue in the uniforms. No, they're not a blue blood. <laughs> but I'm not looking forward to facing them. I'm telling you, I'm just not. Not looking forward to facing the the, the Rangers. They got a lineup. Man, Corey Seager, I hate facing that guy. I hate that guy. And Garcia just owns the Astros. I, uh, I'm not looking forward to that. To that one at all, but is the we've only played one weekend. There, there are no undefeated teams in the National League already after one weekend. Like what? Nobody. Everybody has at least one loss in the National League, and the three teams that have zero losses in the American League: the Rays, the Rangers. Uh, and the Twins. The Twins, I pick, I'm telling you, the the White Sox lost two games, but they, I was extremely impressed. Yo, Mankata, man, if that guy has a good year. Like, I drafted that guy in my fantasy team last year. He was hurt. He was awful all year. Just awful. And then watch. He probably just hated Tony La Russa. Now he's going to have this great season. Astros struggled to get that cat out. And this guy, Colas. Had a great weekend. Man, the White Sox look good this weekend. If I'm a White Sox fan, I'm like, man, we could have swept that series. I, I I thought the White Sox were extremely impressive over the weekend. And I'm just very grateful the Astros got two victories. 
out of it. Right now, so it's what I've always said. The Astros need to avoid getting swept. As long as you can avoid getting swept, then when you get some players back and you start getting in a little, and, you know, guys like Bregman who are off to slow starts get going a little bit, you get some players back, then you can make some hay. You just can't fall too far behind. Man, I'm worried about the Rangers. I'm not looking forward to that series. I didn't really examine the Astros' schedule, but obviously they're playing them early because of this Astro weekend getaway thing we've been talking about. But, man, I kind of wish they were playing the Rangers late. I mean, push those games back. Astros got to get their team, got to get their act together before they play the Rangers. It's going to be hard to get those people out. It's going to be hard to get them out. Um, You know, it's, again, it's all extremely early. It's all um, just kind of very early first impressions, but I um, I don't I don't have a good feeling about the Phillies. I didn't pick them to make the playoffs. Um, it's one weekend, um, so we'll see if you know h- how that plays out. Health has a lot to do with it. There's a lot of injured people already. Way too many injured people already. Um, but no, it was good to see Icky swinging the bat well. El Perro had a day off yesterday. I know people hate it. Andrew Vaughn had a rest day, game two of the season. And it just sounds funny. He had a rest day, game two of the season. <laughs> now, to be fair, some of these guys, I don't know that Vaughn did, but some of these guys played in the World Baseball Classic. So their season actually started, you know, like three weeks ago. So I I, I I get that, but it just sounds funny. So-and-so's got a rest day, game two of the season. Oh, boy. It, it, it's, 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 it's crazy. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back with more. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Again, the game hotline 337 706-0111. 706-0111. So we talked obviously a lot of basketball today. We've talked um a little bit about Major League Baseball, some early impressions from uh from Major League Baseball. The clock clock seems to be working. The numbers I saw, it's about a half hour like they kind of thought it would be down from uh, opening weekend of last year. So we'll see how that continues to run. There were some stolen bases, but it wasn't like wacky. At least, you know, I mostly follow the Astros, but it, it wasn't, I, I didn't see anything like just totally out of whack. There was some scenarios where once they threw over twice, guys were much more aggressive to run, 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 run. Of course, if you hit foul balls, it doesn't do any good. But uh, but no, it's going to impact the game, no question. But I think they wanted to impact the game. Like they want more stolen bases. 
And so far, there has been. So we'll see. All right. We are down. I want to talk about the NBA having to do with the, with, with the Pelicans. Pelicans got a huge win over the Clippers. Brandon Ingram, 36 points on Saturday. The, the Pels are now down to four games. If you haven't paid attention because you're, you know, too in watching all the NCAA tournament, which I get, or Major League Baseball or whatever, you know, busy, off, non-sports-wise, whatever. Right now, what about a week left, the Clippers are 11 and a half back in the five spot. The Warriors are 11 and a half back. They got the same record in the sixth spot. I'm assuming that means the Clippers have uh, the tiebreaker. Uh, in the seventh spot is the Lakers at 40 and 38, and the Pels in the eighth spot have the same record, 40 and 38. What that means is there are four teams between the five and the eight spot, a half a game separating four teams. A half a game separating four teams. Um, the Pels have four games left, three at home. They play Tuesday against the Kings, Wednesday against the Grizzlies, Friday against the Knicks, and then they play at Timberwolves, which could be a huge game, by the way, at the end if the Timberwolves get hot here down the stretch. Um, the bad news is the Lakers, I mean, the Pels play a lot of good teams. The good news potentially is those three games will likely mean nothing or next to nothing to those three teams. Now, it's that's not a lock. It just kind of – but, I mean, I, I think the Grizzlies are going to finish where they are, the Knicks are going to finish where they are, and the Kings are going to finish where they are. I don't, I don't see a – there is a chance that the Kings could, but I don't see a lot of upward or downward maneuverability there. Now, that doesn't mean those teams, because they're kind of locked in, for the most part, locked in to their current positions, that doesn't mean they're going to rest players, but at least opens the idea that they may not be playing quite as hard as the Pelicans will be to try to nail down the spot. So that part seems um, like it could be good. I didn't look up the other teams, but the Lakers... Uh, finish at the Jazz, at the Clippers, which could be a huge game, the Suns at home, and the Jazz at home. So they played a Jazz twice, the Clippers on the road, which isn't really a road game, and then the Suns at home. Hmm. And the Lakers inexplicably have played great down the stretch, just kind of how, like, out of the blue, the Pels started playing great down the stretch. So it's um it's gonna be interesting to see the way all of that plays out. But again, even if you're not a Pels fan, which I wouldn't consider my, I'm not I don't consider myself a Pels fan. I didn't even know who the Pels were, you know, most of my life. Uh they because they didn't exist. But um but just in terms of following a team from the state and there's, you know, the the season started out with so much hope. And then there have been so many stretches over the last two months where it just seemed like all was lost. I'm sure there were more than one or two Pell fans that just threw up their hands and gave up 
I mean, like, it, like there's no hope here. And then yet here we are. They've won seven out of eight, and they're a half a game out of fifth place. <laughs> the fifth seed, which at the beginning of the year is like, oh, I don't, I don't think they'll finish in the top four. But two weeks ago, two and a half, three weeks ago, it looked like fifth and, you know, it looked like they were going to maybe not even get into play in because things were looking so miserable. So it will be very interesting to see what happens the rest of the week. So they play Tuesday and Wednesday against two good teams, but that theoretically are locked in. And then they play the Knicks on Friday, who I think are going to be locked in by that point. And then uh, if the Timberwolves play poorly, they might be done by that that final game. Just to mean that if they play poorly. Um, but if not, if they win the next two or three games, and that game could be humongous for both teams. So do you buy the locked-in thing? Because it seems that way to me. That the Pels are locked in? No, 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 no. The Kings and the oh, Grizzlies yeah. and the Knicks. Um, For the most part. But I don't know if that fully – I don't know how willing those teams will be to rest, guys. Although, in the NBA, they rest for anything, so they should, in theory. Going um, into the playoffs? Right, yeah. So – it, it it looks that way, but I mean, if there's any sort of chance, it depends on the coach. You know, some coaches really like to, if there's a chance of anything changing, they want to play. So, you know, we'll see. But yeah, it should work in that in your favor in that regard. And and the crazy thing is the Pelicans are playing well enough right now, and they're at home for most of these games except Minnesota at the end. To where I would I don't say they should win these games, but they kind of should win these games. You know, even if those teams are playing with some sort of urgency, it's you know, they, they're playing well right now. And and I'm just waiting on that update. I'm just waiting on the Zion update. It's It should be tomorrow or Wednesday, and, and you've got to hear good news. And that's not that he's playing that night, but you got to hear that he's playing this weekend. Again, you need him to play, but here here's – that's such a complicated issue. Because think about these scenarios and how possible they are. Zion plays and messes up your – rotation what you got going right now and it messes it up enough where you lose by two points I mean that's very possible and then there's also Zion plays but he looks really rusty and can you afford to be tatang a, a rusty player right now you're trying to you got to win these games like so on one hand I, I I like the idea of getting him some playing time so he's ready for the playoffs, assuming he's he makes it through physically. On the other hand, can you really afford, like I just said, kind of Tata and baby and this guy when you need to, every minute is important? Like you you need to win. I, I it's a tricky situation to me. I don't know that I love all those scenarios. Yeah, it's tough. But I think if he's available, you put him out there. The, the good thing about Zion is he's not a finesse offensive player like Brandon Ingram that needs to be in a rhythm necessarily because he is a bull in a china cabinet. So you get the idea that it won't take him as long as B.I. And the other good thing is if Zion comes in and offensively he's not really there, then you can just let B.I. run the offense and at least have Zion out there getting his legs underneath him. Whereas when B.I. was getting it back in there, it was like, okay, well, B.I.'s got to put up 25 shots a game because he's got to get that rhythm back. And it's when he gets it, he gets it. So maybe it, I don't think it'll be as rough a transition as it was when Ingram was coming back. I mean, I think that's fair. I hope for their sake it, it works out that way. But, I mean, you know, there's so much that goes into it. You know, we had these same conversations when Kobe Jr. was coming back. Like, how is it going to impact the rotation? 
you just don't know how. And it's not just the minutes. It's the flow of the ball and the movement of the ball and how, and how the offense is running. And I don't know, when you're going well, changing things up when you're going well is always a little bit scary to me. Uh, yeah, and, I get and, it. And, and so, especially since it wasn't going well for so long. I mean, for how long it was going terrible. There was no flow in anything. And now that you got on a on a on a roll, um, I don't know. It's just but scary. I, yeah, I think that. But the th- the other thing too is I think the ceiling is pretty capped for them without Zion. So they've got to at least try it. I don't think you have a chance to beat one of those top teams without him. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. And if they lose in the first round, but maybe challenge a team, I, I still think you can take a lot of positives from the season the way it ended, especially considering where we were three weeks ago when it looked like it was really going in the tank. I, I think that's I think that's fair. I'm just I think it's all fair. I just I, I just I would be a little wary if, if it was my heart was on the line in that situation. All right. We'll take a time out. Come back with more. Stay tuned. This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You can call in and say Pete Rose deserves to be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. You can call and proclaim that the Houston Astros were the only team that stole signs. Just know this. Foot will disagree with you. Call into Footnotes with Kevin Foot at 337-706-0111. Back to more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline once again, 706-0111, 706-0111. Had a lot, man, again, a feisty day. Had a lot of people ready to fight on this Monday. That's fun. Uh, lot, lot, Lots to discuss and go over. One thing we have not discussed is yet today, the Cajun softball team went to James Madison and swept. Understand, on one hand, it, sh- it not it shouldn't surprise many of us when the Cajuns have success in the Sun Belt Conference. They dominated the conference for decades now. But understand, going up, James Madison had been playing pretty well. The Cajuns just lost that disappointing uh, game three of the previous weekend to App, and had some injury issues. You know, Carly Heath ended up. Uh, suffered, a, I don't think it's like a major issue, but an injury going into the weekend right before the game, you know, right before the weekend, the the weekend series started. She was in their plans to pitch, and she's been their best hitter all year long. And she didn't play at all. And Sophia was banged up a little bit, and we had heard some talk that maybe Sam Landry was banged up a little bit, and... Uh, and yet they went over there and swept. So extremely impressive uh, road sweep. And now they come home to play a Thursday through Saturday week Easter weekend home series against South Alabama. One of the teams trying to threaten them in the in the West. So uh, congratulations to the softball team and uh, very impressive weekend sweep. Let's go to the game hotline. Hello. It's crazy, man. Thirty years ago, man, the Florida Marlins. I remember 
played their first game on his day, opening day. Wow. Um, against who was it against? I forgot who it was against. But uh, Dodgers. It was against the Dodgers. Yes. Um, and also, man, this is 30 years ago to this day. Well, I don't know if it's a date, but I just know it's a March Madness the championship game. Chris Webber, the timeout. Oh, yeah. Man, isn't that amazing? 30 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> yeah, that, that's crazy, man. But no, hello? Yeah, I'm, I'm listening. But you know what's amazing, though, man? I, I still get a kick out of Like, when I start my car, when I'm in my railroad, I can still hear your voice, man. Like it's kind of statically, but staticky, but I can still hear your voice. That's that's crazy. I don't know how. I have a powerful transmitter, <laughs> a transistor, whatever. But yeah, it's crazy, man. Well, all right. Well, thank you. Thank you. I don't know if that's scary or dangerous or I don't know what how it's you the would classify that. Staticky shades of Kevin Foote's yeah. voice coming through <laughs> in other areas. Yes. I mean. If you only pick up every fourth or fifth word, you know, that ooh, man, could get a little confusing there. Um, some people, you know, and again, I blame myself for this, not the listener. Uh, that's been explained to me many times over the years, and I understand. Um, some people have been listening to me for 30 years and said, my wife still doesn't get something. I mean, like, she's been with me for over 30 years. Just, just doesn't quite. Sometimes we just don't communicate like we should for people who have been together for over 30 years. So that's all part. That's all part of the deal. Uh, no, so Cajun softball plays in Lake Charles tomorrow. You know, we interviewed Tom on Friday about McNeese, and softball team swept as we expected. I kind of thought McNeese would win at least two out of three at Houston Christian, who was 3-20. and 20. Now, they had they had won a, their conference game, their last conference game, so it's – yeah, you can't lose that series. Oh, that's a it's, that's a bad series to lose. Yeah, not, especially not good. with what McNeese wanted to get done here. I mean, it's yeah, that's that's tough. They're going to have to bounce back there. Well, as a fan, when that kind of series happens to the team that I pull for, I kind of think, okay, what that means is maybe you have to win one or two more games against a team that maybe is a little better than you or at least like on your level. Like instead of winning two out of three against a team that you're maybe even with, you might need to sweep that series to make up for what we would call, quote, unquote, a bad loss. But again, the whole bad loss thing, like we had talked about the Cajun softball team all year long. Yeah, they didn't win maybe as many games as some would have liked against a really tough schedule. But they hadn't had a bad loss. Well, they finally had that bad loss. And then they got to stew, as Coach Glasgow vividly described to us when we talked to him on when had to sit there and live with that, you know, for all week long. And then they got more injured and more shorthanded than most of us realized going into this long road trip weekend at James Madison. And look, I saw some of that series. Chase Madison's had some good hitters. Now, I don't know how good their pitching is. I don't I don't know. It, it was a little sketchy at times. But their hitters were big and physical, just like Coach Glasgow uh, described. I thought they had a pretty good lineup. Better lineup than App had. Um, probably maybe even a better lineup than South Alabama's about to have. We'll see how that plays out. But uh, I think South Alabama just South Alabama's always been good in the circle. I mean, they're just better in the circle than a James Madison is. But I don't think James Madison gets swept very much at home in softball in recent years. And so it is um 
that was just impressive is what I'm saying. They The, the rebound. And we've been here before over this streak of a decade um, and when the Sun Belt um, where you kind of, oh, look, they look vulnerable. Oh, they look vulnerable. Oh, they look vulnerable. Then they just come through. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. And, and again, that's why it's so hard for me to root. It's hard for my goal in terms of trying to root for this program to say, well, I'm just trying to win a regional. I understand they haven't won a regional under Coach Glasgow. Believe me, I know. But I still think you you, you, you got to plan your aspirations higher than winning a regional. I'm not saying you do that or any other program. But for that program, I still think you have to think that way. You don't have to agree. Dawson and I don't really agree on that. But that's okay. It's a free country. Like I always say on such on certain stuff, not all subjects. Some subjects are what I call 50-50 subjects. Then there are other issues where it's okay. You have the right to be wrong. You can disagree with me. You know? <laughs> I think we're going to have fun this summer. Uh, the summer is going to be interesting because we, we haven't really gotten to know each other on all these different subjects. Appreciate all the phone calls. Y'all have a nice day.